Pull up a chair, America. Sit right down there, America. Swanson's cooking just for you. When Joe gets hungry, he means it. So he goes for a Swanson Hungry Man dinner. Look at all that meat. Swanson knows I'm a second helping man. Come over, Dad. I'm not the only hungry man in the family. From today's Swanson, Hungry Man dinners to satisfy your hearty appetite. Swanson's cooking just for you. So what do you think about old ends and new beginnings? One of the things that's interesting about the new year is how often we celebrate in the same exact way, yet hope for something completely new and different in the year ahead. In fact, many times we make resolutions to this. We resolve that the new year will bring new, and then we plan our old year's end in exactly the same way, year after year after year after year. We have rituals in the United States since 1907. We've watched a ball drop in New York's Times Square. We uncork champagne and noise blowers and have a party. Dick Clark, or now Ryan Seacrest playing Dick Clark, we host a music party. In Denmark, you break dishes in front of your neighbor's house. In Spain, you eat 12 grapes. In Germany, you pour molten lead into cold water to see what the new year will bring. Why? I don't know. Germany, that's why. In the UK, you cheer as Big Ben strikes 12. You have first footing where someone crosses your threshold, hopefully carrying bread and whiskey and salt. Or for China, well, December 31st will be Saturday, as they simply celebrate the lunar calendar, and so their new year will be sometime between mid-January and February. Whatever your tradition... We celebrate the end of the year in the same way. We hope and plan meticulously at times for the same traditional celebration. To do what? To hope for something new, entirely new, that will come in the new year. We've studied this. About 40% of us will make some kind of new year resolution, and then we'll only hold for about 8% of us. Maybe, just maybe, let's try something different. Let's do something different this year. Let's stay home. Let's go out. Let's spend it alone. Let's spend it with just close friends. Let's go make some new friends. Let's perhaps make a few thousand new friends in the middle of Times Square. Let's shake ourselves free of the year past and shake clear the patterns that led to this year's end. Let's do something great or quiet or reflective or noisy or just something different. We wish you the happiest of New Year's, and this year especially, we wish you something different to the one we're in now. And that's the theme of our show this week, and the last of this year, 2016. Something new, something different, and something to free us from the old, to shake us free of the year past. And with that, it's time to start our little something different. You ready to shake off the dust of 2016 and bust into 2017 on a rocket sled? Well then, let's roll. Now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, content marketers. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 163 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Monday, December 26th, 2016. And a very happy new year coming up to you all. 
And with me, as always, is my co-host, my colleague, my friend, and the man of leisure of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Is it Happy Kwanzaa? Is it Merry Kwanzaa? I think it's Good Kwanzaa, actually. Good Kwanzaa? I'm sorry. Good Kwanzaa. Yeah. I know that starts actually today, I believe, we're recording this on on the 26th. I received an early Christmas present. What? Did you know what it was? I do not know. Well, there was the Browns one. Is that what you're talking about? That's exactly (laughs) what it is. And you know what was interesting? So we went to the first part of the game. We had company coming over at 4. So we said we can go to the first part of the game. We stayed to the beginning of the third quarter, made it home right. in time to watch the finish and the missed field goal and the, and the Browns won. It was amazing how, <laughs> for for being 0-14 at the time, how much the fans were into it. And then after the game, because you shared Hugh Jackson, the coach's uh, sort of speech. It was wonderful. Very uh, emotional. I had all the feels, yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what. I mean, it was a big deal for this city not to go 0-16 this year, and they did it. And I know it's just sports, but it was important, and I was I was happy. It was really, it was really a, a wonderful thing. I mean, it was, you know, it's the reason, you know, the, the 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 locker room speech by Hugh Jackson was just so wonderful because it was, you could see basically a team come together and celebrate themselves, right? Just celebrate being them and having, you know, having each other's back and sort of just coming together and, you know, and I mean. Look, you know, beating the San Diego Chargers is not all of that in a bucket of chips, but you know, it's 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 a it's a huge, wonderful accomplishment for a team that I think is going to be good. I, I really do think they'll be good in the coming years. Well, I like the fact that you know, if if any, I don't know if anybody listening to this saw the Hugh Jackson halftime or uh, post game speech, but he got very emotional with the whole thing, and you could tell the you know players gave him the game ball and said, "This is for you, Hugh." And, you know, you and I were going back and forth on Facebook, and I just said leadership. I mean, he obviously yeah, didn't absolutely. lose He didn't lose the locker room this year. 14 losses, and those those guys were still playing for him. Yeah. And, he, I mean, obviously he'll be, he'll be back next year specifically because of that. You don't, if you don't lose the locker room and you're on 14, you're doing something right. That's right. So that's right. Now they just got to, yeah, they got to get a good draft. And anyway, this isn't a sports this talk, isn't a radio sports show, talk show. And yeah. yeah it's a, <laughs> Dallas doesn't play till tonight. Right. So you, that's you right. To, yeah. We don't have to talk about that. No, but it was great spending time with family over the holidays here. And of course we've got to, this week to do the same. We're going to see some, some family and friends we haven't seen for a while. So I love this time of the year and it's my and favorite time of the year. Yeah. So very, very good. And I know we didn't, so we didn't have much, I mean, there were a little bit of news, but you had an idea that, you know, we're, I think we're, you, we should just talk about some of the things that we saw that happened in 2016 that were important, and then maybe some of the trends we're going to be focusing on for 2017. Is that the yeah. direction you want to go in? I think that is exactly the right direction. You know, it was, a, as you might expect, ladies and gentlemen, it was a slow news week this week. Um, there were a couple of things that we'll make sure to intertwine into the proceedings, but... Um, yeah, I thought it would be really fun for us to talk about some of the biggest stories 
that came out this year or what we thought were the biggest stories that really will make a difference going forward. Um, and then, yeah, talk about two or three trends that we see coming up for 2017 that we should be paying attention to. And then, of course, we'll do some rants and raves and we'll do with this old marketing as we always do. So as we get started here, what so I mean, I've got a couple. Yeah, here. why don't you, what do why you, you start with one and then I'll, I'll do one and we'll, we'll go back and forth till the, the listeners get tired of that. And we'll, we'll, we'll go on to, to something else. All right. Well, I you know, the, the interesting thing for me was as I started to look back. Um, even through our old show notes, I was going back and looking through. And the one one of the things that, that just struck me was Facebook's domination. Um, and, you know, I mean, it may be sort of, you know, cliche almost at this point to, to mention Facebook. But when we start looking at, I mean, so early in the year, we started covering the digital, you know, the increase in digital budgets and where advertising dollars were going, where marketing dollars were going. And how Facebook, you know, if you look at the increase of, of budgets and in, in advertising, Facebook is really the sole source of that growth, them and Google, of course. Then we started seeing, you know, all of the, you know, Facebook um, and how they were making deals with publishers and how content was going to become a huge thing and the idea of publishing exclusively through Facebook. And we, of course, had our many, many don't build your house on rented land rants and raves about that. And just the how Facebook has really dominated the digital marketers conversation in 2016 and specifically around the idea of content. Where does content and where does the customer experience in content really reside? And even to the extent that, you know, one of the shows that we had this year, we talked about the idea of, you know, Facebook becoming the walled garden and will the internet actually in the web become free and open as it always has been? Or does Facebook now really represent that which is the web um, as we as we know it? And, and I think that as we move into 2017, I look at Facebook's domination there. And I think we're going to start to see that pendulum swing. I, I won't tip off some of my trends for the year, but I, I think we're going to start to see Facebook. You know, I had a conversation with some uh, uh, some of the Wall Street folks that I do regularly, and I think they're starting to get a little more bearish on the idea of advertising and digital ads and you know programmatic and the idea of Facebook and and seeing that advertising growth really start to slow in any in some measurable way. So. I think we're going to start to see some of the pendulum swing back here. And I think Facebook's in for a bit of uh, a headwind coming into 2017. Well, it's interesting. Just a couple of things that I was writing down as you were talking. The, a couple of the episodes we talked about the growth of digital advertising spend. And when we really went deep into those numbers, to your point, it was really just growth from Facebook and Google. And everyone yeah. else is pretty much getting – it's either flat or down. Yeah, Google, that's right. The, that's the exactly growth. right. So when you see any stories, or we that's what we saw in 2016, any growth in digital advertising spend came it's all going to two companies right now. Yeah. That's so exactly that's right. that's interesting. Yeah. I think the other uh, the storylines with that is that and we covered in one episode that you could actually make the case I think going forward that you don't have to do any organic publishing on Facebook if you choose not to. You could make the sole decision just to do advertising of content, but yeah. but, but the paid, you know, whatever, whether you want to boost your stories or just pay directly for promotion and sponsorship, you could do that. And then there are some experts in our industry out there that say, you know, forget the owned, 
media thing, just give in. Just give in and publish, which <laughs> yeah, right. I totally disagree with. But yeah. there are a number of, of people that we hang out with that say, you know, you just give in and just publish on Facebook because they, they've won the battle. And uh, and I think, uh, obviously, I think that's a terrible way to look at it. I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, what, what if somebody listens to that who... And they say, okay, well, we're just going to publish on Facebook now, and and that's the internet as we know it. Uh, and and forget about creating a blog or a podcast or something like that. I think don't be shocked when you come home one day. There's that. Have you seen that? You've seen the commercial with Aaron Rodgers. Not to get all sports again, but the Aaron Rodgers where he comes home to find his house on fire. And his and the the front he he's with his receiver in the front seat of the car and and they're like, wow, that's a really that's a, that's that's a bummer. And he's like, yeah, somebody ought to call the fire department. It's like, <laughs> don't don't be surprised if that's you, right? You come home one day and your house is on fire because Facebook decides, man, you're not so important to us. And so I think you know it's it's. Anytime you're building anything in a in an environment you don't control, you know, and we covered it a couple of shows ago, you're just asking for trouble. And you know, it truly, whether or not it's you know a, a little bit successful in the short term or a lot successful in the short term, you're ultimately making a bet on somebody else's, you know, on some other player. And so as long as you're willing to bet on the other player, you're only as good as that other player is. And so if that other player somehow stumbles or falls or decides to change strategies because you're not an important part of their life, then guess what? You lose and you lose a lot more. You know, those odds are, are, are stacked against you for the most part because the self-interest there, guess what? It's not you. It's, it's them. And so that other player is going to continue to win despite your investment in their platform. Well, mate, it's interesting. I mean, you and I were, we, I didn't know where we were going to bring this up, but I think it's perfect because it's that the article from Forbes that talks about what Facebook's status as a media company means That's for right. media. Yeah. And then basically the talk is, is that Facebook is going to increase its or start investments into buying its own video shows and, and invest in content. Yeah. And, so this is what that tells me, and then you and I had a separate conversation. So that's Facebook right there, and we I want to talk about that for a second. But then you and I had a conversation just right before the show where you and I work with a company, very large enterprise, yep. that was approached by Google to create content for them in specific areas that they were an expert in. And this is the first time I've heard about this, and I can't we yeah. can't say the name of the company at this point. But they were Google did approach, and they are paying another company to create content in this specific area, significant amounts of money, by the right. way. And to be, right, and to be clear, this is a brand. This is not a media company. This is not a this is not a publisher or a magazine or a television company or an online digital company. This is a regular old brand marketing products and services. That's exactly right. And so what? We talked about. They happen to be an expert in their. They have to be a, a thought leader and an expert in their industry. In their industry, that's right. Yeah, but the, but so so let's take it back to. Oh, do we give in to Facebook and Google and just play their game? Well, Facebook is identifying content gaps, so they're saying, okay, we're going to buy our own video shows, and then Google obviously have a, has identified their own content gaps, and they're saying, okay, well. You you mentioned this before uh, before the show. Google's saying, "Hey, we don't like the results for that for that keyword. What do we do? 
Well, that's right. Either change the algorithm or you go get content so that your own algorithm can index that content from an expert resource and the brand that we're talking that that we're friends with is an expert resource in this area and they go and underwrite that content this is a game changer it's a huge game changer i mean this is google putting their finger on the scale you know for good and for bad and then we get into a world of fake news where literally over the weekend you had fake news almost starting a nuclear war between pakistan and 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 israel and you start talking about important issues or even unimportant issues like such what we're talking about, like products and brands and stuff like that. And this is Google basically saying, we're going to pick some of the winners here and we're actually going to pay for some of those winners. So I think that, you know, back to your trend for, you know, to, or the, the the idea for 2016 was that Facebook was, I think we had more Facebook does this in more of our titles for our podcast than anything else we've done but then it goes into a trend for 2017 where i think it is maybe one is be careful because facebook and google are going to manipulate the system that's going to help them draw the most amount create the most amount of revenue opportunities so that's one and the second thing is if we know that they're going to do this if we are an expert resource in a certain area and have let's say google page rank or we're respected by Facebook to fill a content gap in some area. We can actually generate our own revenues from this because fa- the Facebooks and the Googles of the world and probably on to LinkedIn, and I don't know about Twitter, but definitely LinkedIn is in that conver- should be in that conversation. They're going to pay us to fill these content gaps. That's so, exactly right. Or the opportunity is there for them the to opportunity pay us is for there. these content yes. gaps. Yeah, And whether that's payment through actual cash money revenue or whether it's payment through promoted listings. In other words, there could be coming a time when the equation of who pays who for prominent placement of content could switch. Because think of this in just the opposite way, right? So think of this from the Google perspective of, yeah, in fact, no money is going to change hands, but we're going to give you prominent placement in Knowledge Graph. Or we're going to give you prominent or LinkedIn says, you know what, no money's going to change hands, but you are one of our trusted publishers. It doesn't have to be from a media company. It could be from a brand. And you're one of our trusted publishers on this particular topic. We are going to give you prominent placement in exchange for your creation of quality content. And that's there's a value to that, you know, in terms of business results, traffic, you know, engagement, visibility, access to audience, all that stuff is is there. The, the what is it is truly changing the calculus of why and where we're creating quality content and then well and then they definitely are becoming media companies i mean they yeah, are media course. companies already but yes. the facebook you know they oh we're technology company well once they start making editorial decisions on who is shown and who's not outside of their algorithm they're for sure media companies. that's right that's right and, well, this and that's is what, what we see yeah. happening whether they whether they admit it or not this is happening that's right. right. Would you agree? And with that's that? what the article yeah. is about. Yeah, that's what the article is about. That we that we'll well, obviously we'll link to this in the show notes if you haven't seen it. But that's what the Forbes dot uh, com uh, article is really about. When it says, "What does Facebook status as a media company mean?" What they what they the the context of that article is is that um, basically 
Ricky Van Neen, who is Facebook's head of global creative strategy, says that basically Facebook is now, quote, exploring funding some seed video content, including original and licensed scripted, unscripted, and sports content, admitting that it's basically, as they say, a media company, but a, quote, different kind of media company. It's like, no, you're just a media company. It's just, you're just creating content. You're a media company. It's, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you can be different if you'd like to pretend that you're different, but you're a media company. Well, you got to remember, too, there's, of course, you don't want to be known as a media company because of the perception of being a media company. Of editorial. Of editorial. But the bigger thing is, is that the media company, Facebook, is valued differently by Wall Street than a technology company. That's right. That's exactly right. Media companies are much less valued than a technology company, historically. Have. So if yeah. you, if they if everyone I mean I don't know if it could happen but it could where you could say okay well Facebook's now a media company and we're going to value them differently and it's not worth $120 a share it's worth $80 a share. Sure. Or the reverse, right? Which is what every CEO of every media company in the world is like praying for Christmas this year is that oh please let Facebook be a media company. Please let Facebook be a media company because now they go, "Well, hey, Facebook's a media company. You should give us the same valuation you're giving them." Oh, it's, so <laughs> that's a good point. Absolutely. <laughs> so they're uh, putting putting all sorts of things under the little little what is it the dancing in your head, the sugar plum fairy is dancing in the CEOs of media companies' heads is like you know, 13x value of revenue. <laughs> Actually, it's what's funny is is that Facebook is like if you were going to say, show me what a media company looks like. Facebook is probably the easiest representation of that because they derive almost all of their revenues by advertising. Of course they do. I mean, they've never been anything other than a media company. I know that, but, that, but, <laughs> but they keep fighting it. Yeah, I guess. But well, the, these are the, the days where you can say if you say so. I mean, hey. It's the fake news, right? That's one of the other things I had written down here is a trend for the year, which I don't really want to talk about because we just talked about it. But one of the whole trends here is fake news took over a good portion of the election cycle. And a lot of things you could just say, it just doesn't seem to matter that much. And that's why building an – I mean, you know, go back to brands here. That's why building an ongoing relationship with an audience makes a difference more today than it ever has before because – of the suspect nature, by especially from media companies, because oh, exactly. media companies are what did we cover it a week ago or two weeks ago? The the major distrust of just media companies in general. So the opportunity now exists for brands to sort of take over that space. Well, think about that for a second, right? Just to the point you just made with Google, with Google coming into this brand, this products and services company, and basically saying we want to pay you because you're a trusted brand. They're, they didn't go or, you know, we don't know if they, you know, if it's an exclusive relationship or not, but certainly the inclusion of a brand that is, that is offering products and services for the creation of trustworthy content has to be noteworthy in the idea of what is trusted these days because they didn't necessarily exclude them to only go with media companies. In other words, the inclusion of a brand that offers products and services because they create trustworthy content has to be 
an important data point on the idea of how trustworthy companies can be now and how, quite frankly, the lack of trust with media companies is just as high. So there is no differentiation anymore. There goes the opportunity, right? Because as a brand, if we can create and we can because of the ability for us to acquire talent and have this ability to create content and aggregate our own audiences, hey, there's a whole idea of content marketing writ large. Well, now we can do it too, and thus we can create the same kind of trust that these basically huge media companies that have existed for hundreds of years have done. And we can do that in a matter of months or a matter of years if we choose to do so for so long. And and there's your opportunity right there. It's it's you know when you start seeing my one of my other trends um, or big stories rather from 2016 was the rise of the publisher content studios because. Media companies have recognized this. They're saying, yeah, we we need to offer, we need to go around these agencies. We need to disintermediate and become, you know, basically the sole source for brands to create this crustworthy content because guess what? They can do it on their own now. And so we need to we need to start creating some stuff that's going to make these brands want to do it with us, not with the creative agencies and and boutiques that are out there. If we don't do that's a different business model for them and one that has just started to explode. Well, what's so interesting about that, and there were quite a few episodes, I think we talked about this expansion of the publishing enterprise or the media enterprise into uh, full full uh, service agency work. And so what we've been seeing is this diversification of what publishing means. Um, it's not just, hey, we're going to take advertising or drive subscription growth anymore. They're taking their business model and they're diversifying it. And they're, right. of course, into, exactly. into we are going to offer products and services directly for advertisers that we've never traditionally done before. Or we've only done it in, let's say, an ancillary publishing uh aspect like when i was i've talked about many times when i was at pet media i was part of the ancillary department and the ancillary department were revenues that weren't primary (laughs) to the organization i love that it was called the ancillary that's so 1984 i know george orwell we're in the ancillary department (laughs) it's so funny because when they went and they looked at the valuation of pet and media we, so Penton Custom Media at the time was was growing. We were doing really well. This is back in 2000, uh, 2006, 2007. We were doing really well. But when uh, an investment team came in to value Penton Media, they never even looked at Penton Custom Media, uh, even though we were one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing area of the enterprise, right. because they didn't see us as a primary business. Yeah, exactly. So reprints. Well, you were called the ancillary. I mean, you had their little door tag on the name of your – you were called the ancillary department. Why would they go into your door? It's like, oh, we don't matter. It doesn't matter. Those are the guys with the red staplers. Yeah, people are like, hey, um, you know, when we were at Tough Times, hey, are we going to – should we worry about our job? And I'm like – they don't even know we're here. Like, <laughs> just be quiet. <laughs> just, just let them walk by. They won't That's even know funny. you're here with the organization. But kind of back to the point. So we're seeing that in publishing. That's going to continue to go into 2017, I think. But then at the same time, you know, kind of bringing this full, full circle back to, you know, Google paying a brand to do content. We're seeing a diversification or uh, I don't know, or a, a new um, – definition of marketing and i know you and i are going to talk i'll talk about this a little bit later in my my commentary but marketing uh as a direct revenue source needs to be 
this is evidence of it. I mean, you if yes, you ha- if you exactly can build right. an audience and an expertise over a certain area, like the brand we're talking about did, you drive direct revenues by Facebook or by Google paying you direct money, and not a- let alone all the other things that you can do with it. But just that, in a- in and of itself, I think we have to start thinking. What is the purpose of marketing today? Or the market what is the purpose of the marketing department today? And maybe we need to think a little bit broader about what we can do with that and the value it has on the enterprise instead of thinking of it traditionally what I think content marketing has been uh, focused on is just driving demand in a of lot course. of a lot of companies. Yeah, top of the funnel. Yeah. Top of the top either top of the funnel sort of demand generation an alternative form of advertising or direct marketing or bottom of the funnel loyalty program. And that's it. It's basically very myopically focused on those two areas. Somebody should write a book. I think two guys should write a book. Topic. Oh, I'm so excited about this. I'm sorry to talk yeah. about it all the time, but man, we're yeah. really good. I think we're really onto something. Yeah. We're, <laughs> this book is going to be good. I'm patting myself on fun. the back. This is, this is going to be unbelievable. Yeah. We both pre-ordered it already. It's that. Yeah, be that's that right. Good. We pre-ordered our own book. Yeah. <laughs> Because we think it's important. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the quickly. Let's talk a little bit about the the maybe the trends. What do you think of the the, the future trends for 2017? I know at CMI we just literally released a blog uh, post about uh, the the looking up at the year ahead. But uh, but what do you think uh, yourself? What do you think well, are the big things we're have this, paying attention to? So this will work really well and, and sort of go from the 16 to 17 because I had this as the biggest 2016 story that nobody talks about except for me and maybe a little bit of you. And that in 2017 was in June where Aero Electronics came out and they purchased the almost the entire electronics media portfolio from UBM, our parent company. And, and Hearst, by the way, by and Hearst. So they've done they've made they've made two yes, major acquisitions. Yes, they had two major acquisitions. And you and I have talked. There's many uh, case studies that you saw uh, smaller media companies being bought by smaller enterprises, like not billion-dollar enterprises, but in, in, in most cases. Or a billion-dollar enterprise would buy, you know, uh, L'Oreal would buy Makeup.com, which was right. just, it was a, a seven small seven-digit deal. Yeah. This, this was a major deal by a major Fortune 200 company. Uh, Aero Electronics is probably the largest electronics manufacturer in the world, or one of them. And they go ahead and buy the entire electronics media portfolio, then UBM and now into Hearst, as, you're, as you just said. This, that was, that was huge. That, that's what I think a lot of people will go back to and say, that was the thing that happened that chief marketing officers and CEOs looked at and said, wow, this is a thing. This is not just HubSpot buying a sales blog. Right. And, well, and, and, and also blog and integrating it into their blog network. This is a huge deal for how we're going to look at the structure of, of content marketing. I am surprised that that aside from you and I and a couple of other people have not made the connection at the even the more macro level. Right. Microsoft buying LinkedIn. Yeah. Right. You know, there is a product company buying a media company, right? As we just talked about for, you know, 20 minutes with Facebook be, you know, being a media company, there's no doubt in my mind that LinkedIn is a media company. Um, and so this is fa- this is this is basically Microsoft buying a uh, a media company that will, you know, ultimately uh, become a- an acquisition for them to expand into the, you know, vertically integrate the platform as it were. 
And, and and you've got the same thing with you know Verizon buying Yahoo and right. and, and and you know those those all of those things are are indications at the more macro level that having a media company vertically integrated into the products and services that you offer to the marketplace is a smart thing to do. Well, I think so. I think what happens is where we're moving out of this limited view of what marketing is or what content can do for marketing, depending on how you're coming at it. Right. And in 2017, I think it's boom times because I think what's going to happen, especially since the economy looks like it's going to be fairly robust. We've got a lot of money coming into the infrastructure uh, in the U.S. and, and the other countries are, are right behind what's going on in the U.S. here. Uh, you're going to see a lot of these corporate coffers open up and the opportunity for media companies to get purchased by regular product and service brands. And I would say this is Fortune 2500 is going to be the target for this, where you're going to see this happen over and over again. And I think every month we're going to be talking about a major deal in 2017 that's happened, just to sort of prove this point, now that uh, we've sort of broken through the glass ceiling with the with the Aero Electronics deal. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, well, that, and that goes to one of my other predictions for a trend for 2017, which is in the technology space, which of course I follow fairly closely. Um, and I think we're going to start to see a lot more of that in the software space as well. So software company consolidation, um, especially in the MarTech space, I think, you know, as we saw this year with Scott Brinker's MarTech, uh, you know, infographic that was, I think, 2,400 different solutions out there. I think you're going to see a lot of those solutions start to fall out, merge, become acquired, go into other larger companies. I think you're going to see a lot of consolidation this coming year um, in the MarTech space as basically customers, enterprise customers, start looking at simplifying some of that stuff. Yes, agreed on the simplification. But the other thing is, is that I have not met with a CEO in the past three months that didn't say they were buying. They're, the the, the M&A market is going to be super hot the first six months. Oh, exactly. Everyone what I mean. That's what, buying. Yeah, that's what they're I mean. Buying, yeah. They're buying all kinds of assets for all kinds of weird reasons. Uh, cash is not doing anything sitting on the sidelines today. That's right. And they're gonna they're gonna start. It's gonna happen. So and um, and I'll be right on this one. So there. Yeah, <laughs> we'll both be right. Well, yes, right. You can disagree, yes. but you'd be wrong. <laughs> I keep telling people that, but you know, yeah. sometimes they don't listen to me. Exactly. Wrong. Well, and speaking of speaking of being right. We should talk about one of our favorite sponsors as the year ends and the last one of this year for our wonderful sponsor, which is, of course, ourselves. That's <laughs> <laughs> so meta, this show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so basically, just a final reminder here before we get into 2017 about some of these amazing events we have coming up. First of all, uh, I need to mention that CMI University, the December open enrollment closes on December 31st. So hopefully you're listening to this still it's still in December and you have the opportunity to enroll. I think an email just went out today if you're a subscriber of Content Marketing Institute. So if you want to subscribe to our training program that Robert's done such a fantastic job in organizing, it's well worth the investment. Go to contentmarketinguniversity.com. Use the code PNR100, all caps, PNR100, to get 
$100 off, and that's good until the end of December 2016. So go to contentmarketinguniversity.com. For that, we've got three other events coming up you need to know about. Intelligent Content Conference, March 28th to 30th, 2017. Our focus uh, this year for the for the event in Las Vegas is machine learning and artificial intelligence, which, of course, we could have talked about for our, uh, our other trends going on, which is going to be huge, continue to be huge. Super excited about that event. Again, you can use coupon code PNR100, all caps, PNR100, to get $100 off for intelligentcontentconference.com. March 28th to 30th, we want to see you there. We're super excited about that. Of course, we've got Content Marketing World, September 5th through 8th, 2017, the big show. We're expecting more than 4,000 marketers. We had 72 countries attend last year. I'm assuming that'll be more this year. Super excited about that. Go to contentmarketingworld.com for more information about that one. That's in Cleveland, Ohio every year. And then we have the Content Tech virtual event. It's a free, this is the free event, folks. February 22nd, 2017, where we talk about some of the latest and greatest content marketing technology and how it can help you and your job in your enterprise. So go to contentmarketinginstitute.com slash events, contentmarketinginstitute.com slash events for every one of these events and how you can get more information to get signed up. So it's going to be a great 2017. It's it's going to be fantastic. I absolutely am looking forward to the year. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a roller coaster of a year, a very, very fast and wonderful adventure. So, uh, so we have to rest on, up. Get this on week. board. Yeah, we have to yeah. rest up because oh, yes. we're going to be traveling. Absolutely, and talking about all kinds of strange marketing things. Absolutely. So. And now it is fun. time for your favorite part of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Our year end, as it were, last one of 2016. Anyway, rants and raves section when joe and i go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that oh you know makes us feel all kinds of warm and fuzzy inside like we're thinking of things like stockings and cherubs and all sorts of things or makes us feel like that have you seen the there's a there's a there's a thing going around that i guess is some eastern european version of the evil santa claus that eats children that are bad oh my goodness <laughs> it's there's like these paintings no, of like and i this, don't want like to see this that. yeah it's it's like it's like children being eaten and stuff like that yeah it's, it's i think so... it's bad enough all the pictures i see on facebook <laughs> of elf on a shelf and all yeah the, uh, the elf on the do shelf that, i that don't even elf. get me started on this stupid <laughs> elf on a shelf i mean god god don't anyway i'll move it that, that could be my rant but anyway moving along um, so i have um, uh, uh, the first, because I have the This Old Marketing, which I'm super excited about. So I have a very short um, rave. And so I think we can all agree that 2016 has been a hard year for us that love music and have watched many of our music um, icons pass away. Um, some completely unexpectedly, some, of course, um, that were of age and all of that. And, and, but just a, you know, I mean, it seems like every single week there was like another one. It's like, oh my God, yeah, another one is gone. And of course, this week was no exception. We lost, and I, those of you who know me know what a huge 80s music fan I am. Um, and we lost George Michael. And, and of course, of Wham fame, and of course, as a solo artist, a magnificent, wonderful songwriter and amazing. Um, uh, singer, uh, and just a just a just one of the great ones. 
And the interesting thing to me is, is that I was, as I was watching, I found this. So the other wonderful thing that I'm a fan of, if you've seen, you've seen the carpool karaoke, right, from James Corden. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So most people don't know that, of course, that that bit, that thing was a piece of content that James Corden did. And the where it originated was as a piece of content that he did for uh, the um, uh, for a nonprofit raising money for um, which was a, a comedians all getting together and raising money for a nonprofit a few years ago. That's where it all started. And he was the very first guest. He was the very first carpool karaoke where they did this extended bit where they're driving through London. And, and basically it wasn't even James Corden being James Corden. It was James Corden being one of his old um, characters that he used to play um, in, uh, in England. And it's the two of them driving around London singing, you know, of course, all of the George Michael hits and stuff like that. And, of course, George Michael, you know, having his, you know, definite you know, sort of scandalous uh, history and past, and they bring a little bit of that up. And it's very, very funny. And it's and it, it brings back just a lot of wonderful memories. And it's just a really cool piece of content that was basically for a marketing purpose, which was to drive donations to this wonderful nonprofit. And, and James Corden created the whole bit for it. And it's just really cool that he's the he's the main star of it. So I wanted to rave, and we'll link it, of course, in the show notes. Just a wonderful way to spend three minutes and remember George Michael. I didn't, I did not know that until today. That, yeah. that was that's just amazing that uh, that whole thing started. Yeah. And by the way, a, it, and I, well, yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. It's worth watching. It's just, I it, mean, it's it's two minutes long. It's not like a normal carpool karaoke. It's just sort of a clip. Yeah, it's a very uh, it's, yeah so, yeah. So very good. I'm glad you uh, brought that up. Boy, what a horrible year. For musicians, yeah, for 2016, yeah. Uh, I just yeah. want to see this. Uh, I can't remember a year, uh, you know, with with Prince and David Bowie and how I mean, and the countless others. It's just this is a tough one. This was a tough. Yeah, one. Yeah, it's it's a big one. Yeah. So um, for my rant and rave, it's I guess it would be a rave, uh, sort of a commentary. But I'm in the middle of reading uh, a book called The Undoing Project by Michael Lewis, and Lewis is one of my all time favorite authors from. Moneyball and The Big Short and Liar's Poker and whatnot. Uh, so this book takes quite a different turn into why humans perceive and believe things and why they don't. But more on the book in a second. So so while I'm reading this, I keep thinking about this question. We brought this up before, Robert, specifically as it relates to our book coming out in September of 2017. So the questions are, what what if we learned marketing incorrectly? So in other words, what if we've been doing this thing called marketing for all these years, but we're actually doing it wrong? Or maybe better said, what if we've limited our view of marketing to one area that kills the potential of what can be accomplished in other areas? So keep that in mind. Keep those questions in mind. And then I want to go back to the book for a second. So in the new, the, the Lewis book covers an experiment and an academic paper by Danny Kamen and Amos Versky called Belief in the Law of Small Numbers. And basically, the finding was that even professional academics mistook a very small part for the whole. For example, even though flipping a coin is always a 50-50 proposition, if a subject was to flip it 100 times, but the first two times turned up heads, the subject would believe that the majority of flips would turn up heads, at least higher than the probability. And this is also known as the gambler's fallacy, where in roulette, if you see red or black running hot, we begin to think that red or black is more likely to occur when statistically it's not. Now, we saw this happen in the most recent general election <laughs> right. as yeah, well in the United yeah. States. So <laughs> right. if most of the people you knew thought Trump was going to win, you believed Trump was going to win, even though the sample was incredibly small and biased. 
And the same was true for Clinton supporters, where the media talked about how people being in a bubble of their own likes and, and ideas, which happens more and more with our Facebook feed today. Uh, so, and the same has really occurred, I believe, in marketing, specifically to content marketing. Now, most organizations leverage content specifically to drive demand. We talked about this before. That is how they know content to be used. So that is what their narrow view tells them what content is supposed to do. The success or failure of their approach is built upon that one singular view. Now, when that happens, we leave out the impact of what content and building audiences can do for the broader enterprise. Simply put, now that we can publish and build audiences and create amazing experiences for our customers through content, does that mean we need to rethink the purpose and value of marketing? And of course, our belief here is absolutely. So your job as a marketing professional is to push away the biases you have and start to look at marketing as not just driving demand. You have to look at it like you were, let's say, a foreigner looking at a new country for the first time. You have to ask yourself, what else is content doing? And then also ask yourself, what else can content do? And without going through all the different ways, the approach can actually create better customers who buy more, stay longer, close quicker, are more apt to talk favorably about us. But then we have to take the next step. Does it enhance the overall value of the enterprise? Can we drive direct revenues from our audience outside of what we sell? Can we develop new product lines because of the audiences we have? So I guess it kind of sum this whole thing up, Robert. My hope for 2017 is that we, as content marketing professionals, begin to rethink what marketing really means. And to do that, we have to wash away our biases about what marketing has always been. And that's my, wow. that's my take based on the book, uh, which is I'm halfway through the Undoing Project, and it's really starting to get good. So, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. As you might expect, I love it so much. It's just, wow. If only someone was going to write a book I, on you this. Know, I, maybe. I don't know. It's maybe we happen. should. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyways, you oh. have, you've been talking about this this whole marketing. And I'm, uh, okay. I'm ready to hear it. I don't know what it is, uh, but I wanna I wanna lean back. So yeah, so yeah, lean back for this one. This one's a, this one's a fun one. Um, this one might be my favorite one all. And no, in fact, it is my favorite one all year, um, maybe of all time. Um, and uh, it will certainly make its way in some form or fashion into the book as well. So this this comes from a magazine. And the magazine that we will, it'll be a weird links, folks. So just, you know, you'll, it's to a, 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 one of the Google archives of magazines. Um, so you'll have to bear with that. And it's big. It's, a, it's, it's 900 pages or something. And it's a collection of a magazine, basically the full collection of a year worth of magazines from this magazine called Office Appliances, the magazine of office equipment which was a B2B magazine done in the teens. So this one comes at the end of the year 1916 and into the beginning of 1917. And it opens with, so the first issue then opens with this um, thank you. And it's basically a thank you from the editors uh, basically saying, hey, here's all the wonderful things that happened this year and thank you. And there's some outlook and the, the it's just a fascinating read, by the way, if you're into history at all. And it looks to World War One and how the economy of Europe is changing and what, you know, what the marketing, ad, you know, and the, and the advertising economies look like with the World War One coming to an end. 
And then it gives her some articles on successful sales strategies, which the, it was a, a bringing up of a presentation at a conference earlier in the year and how new sales operations are going to really drive B2B marketing in the next coming year. It's just, it's just fascinating to read. And the, one of my favorite things, um, just before I get to the meat of this, is there's an article in the beginning of this issue, which is basically a year-end, New Year's Eve sort of roundup issue from the previous year. And it basically, the, the article, which is an editorial note, talks about efficiency and how efficiency um, is really starting to really drive um, bad business practices. And the article, I'll just read from an extract here. It says basically, um, efficiency has become kind of a confusing stick with which to draw 60 profitable minutes from every working hour and to extract 100 cents of practical value from every dollar. That's too bad. Because it actually is a good thing to waste some minutes in song or to find some friendly gossip or an interesting story at the desk or the bench or the machine. And it is a good thing to not be so accurate in counting 100 when accumulating dollars. And so anyway, I, I mentioned it's just basically we've been talking about this sort of being too busy thing for 100 years. Remember, this is 100 years old at this point. And so... And I, the, po the poetry of that doesn't escape me, by the way. So anyway, so here's the meat of it, because there's an article in this, in this, uh, in this magazine, and the article is entitled um, House Organs Lower Distribution Costs. Now, for those of you who don't know, house organs were, and Joe knows this growing up in publishing, house organs were the in-house magazines, um, what they used to call the in-house magazines or custom publishing um, back in the old days. And so whenever I say house organs for the next couple of minutes here, just think content marketing because they're talking about both internal and external uh, magazines that are produced. So this is a conference. There was a conference in June of the previous year. And basically this article is a write-up of this one speech from the conference. And it was given by this guy, Robert Ramsey, who was the advertising manager at a company called Art Metal Construction Company. The conference was the Associated Advertising Club of the World in St. Louis, two-day conference. And his keynote was this house organ lower distribution cost. And it's basically a write-up of his talk. And they quote him. They basically quote his speech almost in its entirety. And so he starts off by saying that basically the introduction of the talk is to say, so this talk that you've scheduled me to give is a really hard one, he said, because nobody believes that, and I'm going to replace the word house organ with content marketing here because it's just synonymous. He basically says content marketing is really hard to prove any success. He said, it's really difficult. And so you may have come into this, you may have come to this session basically expecting me to fail to be able to show that I can actually provide value with content marketing. He said, but basically I've spent the last year interviewing all of the editors because they had managing editors for these house organs at companies like Eastman Kodak and Timken and McKesson and uh, Packard, um, International Harvester and so on and so on. He said, I interviewed 72 of them to find the value in content marketing. And then he goes on, basically what I heard back from the CEOs that I interviewed from these companies was, that there was lots of data, but no proof. And that's a quote, basically. He says there was lots of data, that there, but there's no proof. Basically, the CEOs would say, we can see that there are good things happening, but we have no proof that it actually works. He then goes on to provide 19 different ways that content marketing is providing value from these interviews. And I mean, he just basically lists them. He says, number one, 
direct results. You can check the returns by putting a return card or your merchandise. Basically, two, creating goodwill and confidence. Our house organ or our content marketing is used mainly to build confidence in our customers and our bank presidents for other people, says S.W. Strauss and company, the CEO there. Third, saving salesmen's time by both paving the way or introducing new products or new approaches to products, basically says Johnson & Johnson when he interviewed Johnson & Johnson. Fourth, clinching salesmen's arguments. Many people believe that they need to create better trust with their customers, says Marshall Wells Hardware Company of how they're using their house magazine. And on and on and on through Corona Typewriter, through all of these companies, Ford Motor Company, Todd Protectographic Company, General Publicity, all these things. 19 different ways he talk, talks about generating value using the idea of an internal and external magazine that builds an audience and uses and delivers content that is not about advertising, but it is about becoming an internal media company, as they call it, an internal media company that delivers value to customers through content. Just a, an amazing article and just a wonderful I, – I so wish I could have been in this session in 1916 oh – it's just fantastic. It's 19 different ways of driving value, and it's every single thing we talk about at Content Marketing Institute. It is literally like if I were to go back in time, it would be you or I standing up on stage giving this presentation. It's just – it's an amazing thing. That is a that, – that's like hitting the mother load yeah. 100 years ago with that. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. If you published it today, they'd be like, oh, my God, Robert, he's brilliant. This is innovative. <laughs> It's it's amazing. The, what killed me was the lots of data but no proof. <laughs> we have lots of data, yeah, but this is 1916. Oh, this is 100 years God. ago. They're saying, yeah, we've got tons of data, but we don't have any proof that it works. Boy, that, it'll probably 100 years from now, it'll probably be the same thing. <laughs> exactly. God. Oh, that's fantastic. Great way to end uh, 2016, my friend. So what do, what do you yes. have going on the rest of the week here? I don't have anything going on other than digging in and starting to write um, for this wonderful thing that you and I have been talking about over the last 55 minutes. And, and um, uh, really, other than that, um, I'm relaxing, getting ready to jump into the new year, cleaning up my office, you know, really sort of spending a week at home, just sort of trying to stay away from uh, stay away from busyness and, and really right. think about reflection and, and, um, and, and looking forward. Yeah, How about I'm, you? I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, of course, I've got, uh, I love reading during this time of the year. So I've got some, some books I'm reading. Of course, The Undoing Project. I'm also reading, um, Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance. Oh, that's a that. great, oh, no, I have read that. It's a great one. Yeah, it's, it's really, a, yeah. as you know, it's very interesting. So if you want to, you know, a take on, uh, sort of the people that came from the Appalachians into, yeah. you know, it's a, it's, it's an expose or a memoir, as J.D. Vance says, on the white working class. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting take. And uh, it's it's a tough read in some spots, actually, especially because I, I know a lot of people and some family uh, that are from that area. So it's it's interesting read. But then, yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing uh, we do our New Year's Eve uh, Eve thing, Eve Eve thing. Nice. Every yes. year with the our adults, night out, adults, yeah. adults night out. So we'll have some fun doing that. But, yeah, basically, same as you. I've got uh, some work to do, research to do on the book. Uh, and a few other things for uh, content marketing world planning, believe it or not, for 2017. And uh, But the, more and more, it's just to hang around with the kids and family and see some people we haven't seen for a while. So Very nice. Very nice. All right, well, folks, that is it for Joe Polizzi, Robert Rose, 2016. We're signing off. 
And uh, if you like this episode number 163, won't you leave us a kind review on iTunes? If you haven't done that yet, make that your New Year's resolution, won't you? We hope you'll consider subscribing as well on iTunes or Stitcher.com or your favorite podcatcher. And when you do leave us a review or if you subscribe... Won't you let us know? Hashtag us up at This Old Marketing. We'd love to thank you personally for that. And of course, story ideas, story ideas, This Old Marketing examples. We love them. You can also hashtag us up at This Old Marketing on the Twitter. Or, you know, you can always send an email to This Old Marketing at ContentInstitute.com. All the links we talked about today and always will be available in the show notes as we publish on Monday evening. And of course, in the show posts at ThisOldMarketing.com on Saturdays. Until next week, until next year, everybody. You just have a wonderful new year, a safe new year, and remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week and next year on This Old Marketing. Part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.